Hello and welcome to the second season of All I Know. My name is Jen Winkleman and I'm your host for this time where we gather together as if we're around a little campfire and we're there to listen as everyday people tell us some of their stories. Here at this show, we believe that behind every single face, there are stories. And in every story, there are lessons for life that are waiting to be learned by the rest of us. So today, our guest and I will have a largely unscripted conversation, aside from the anchor questions that we use to get into our interviews. And then as our guest story unfolds, if you and I choose to do so, we can catch the truth and knowledge and wisdom that's being shared with us like little fireflies in a jar and then use that as light for our own paths in life. Thanks again for being with us. This is All I Know. Welcome back, everybody. Today, our guest on the show is Francis. Hi, Francis. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? So far, so good. Good. (laughs) So what do our listeners need to know about who you are, Francis, to make the most of today's conversation? Well, I'd say an immigrant. I came from the Philippines, migrated here in 78, and um, discovered I have artistic tendencies. Mm -hmm. And so... I consider myself an artist. Mm-hmm. I like to create, and I have a clothing line called Kimono Dragons because yeah. I love Asian motifs. Anything because it's my anchor to my culture. Mm-hmm. So, how can people find? You said it's Kimono, Kimono Dragons. Kimono, like the Japanese robe. Yes. And then dragons. Yes. And so where do they find you if they want to look at your clothes? um, Right now I'm on Facebook. Okay. Kimono Dragons has a Facebook page. Okay. And they can find me on Facebook, Francis D. Rosas, and that's R-O-C-E-S. Perfect. Thank you. I want people to be able to find you. (laughs) On the spectrum between ordinary and extraordinary, where do you plot your life? Extraordinary. I don't feel that I am in any way a person of tradition. I'm not a traditionalist. I kind of learn what the misconceptions are and use them to my advantage. The misconceptions? Being Filipino, I get mistaken for other cultures. Okay. I've been asked if I'm Laotian, Vietnamese, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, uh, Malaysian, uh, Hawaiian, and I'm like, no, and I'd say I'm Filipino, and they'll be like, oh, you don't look like it. Really? Yeah. I learned a lot when I worked in the restaurant industry, Uh because people... Tell things people say, oh, your English is so good for a person like you. Which like, means what like, exactly? Yeah, be, I was like, okay. I was fascinated with the English language since I came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So in high school, I always carried a 
thesaurus with me. You're kidding. No. Because I, I like the I, concept of play of words. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I came up with Kimono Dragons, because it's a yin and yang kind of balance. Well, and isn't there, what's the dragon, there is a dragon that starts with a K, Kim, Komodo? Oh. Kim, uh, uh, um, the, the, yeah, Do you Komodo. Know? Komodo. Komodo dragon. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool little... Yeah. Yeah. And even though my bite doesn't cause death... <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Yes. And that had been my weapon to defend myself. Words? Words. Yeah, because I'm not a physical person. I don't have the coordination to learn karate, to box or be 40. So you weren't going to fight somebody. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to fight a person unless I really, really have to. Mm-hmm. So i rather use words to either diffuse the situation or be able to verbally shut the person down. So you said, I can't remember the phrase that you used exactly, but talking about that bias that you've yeah. experienced being of Asian descent and that people are often mixed up or curious about where you come from. And then when you say, no, I'm Filipino, they'll they'll say, well, that you don't look Filipino. How do you use words to diffuse that or? Well, uh, being since I, it's usually in a restaurant situation where I am the server and the person that's saying these things to me are a guest. I can't really just backhand them and berate <laughs> them. Yes, probably so. not. That so makes it tricky. I end up just putting on a Teflon when I get to work and just let it slide off and just see them for what, in my mind, I just tell myself they're just ignorant. And... I just let them be because that's my job. But you just shouldn't have to do that. No. You shouldn't have to Teflon yourself to interact with other people for any reason. It's true, but it was like in the 90s, and people weren't exactly very educated at that time about Asian cultures. Do you feel like it's better now? It's getting better. People can at least differentiate between Chinese, Japanese, Koreans. And and people have kind of stopped saying that my son is dating a Filipina or I I had a a Filipino friend in high school or my maid's Filipina. People have stopped saying that. Yeah. It, it's an older generation that usually have that concept. Mm-hmm. And the younger generation, they're, they're more globally aware. It's interesting to me, and I don't, I, I'm just sort of putting this together right now, and I feel embarrassed to say that, but the truth is I'm putting it together right now. One of my best friends is from Korea. 
Uh-huh. And we have talked a lot about her having the experience, too, of you know people asking like what her ethnic background is yeah. and when she says korea they challenge her just like you get challenged yeah. about being filipino yeah and um i wonder if that happens more with people from asian cultures than it does with any other ethnic group i can't imagine someone saying oh i'm from zimbabwe oh no you can't be from zimbabwe yeah. you look like you're from botswana uh, yeah or um, if we look at latin cultures from my personal concept a lot of people from asian cultures have a tendency to be too different in our features that it's hard for people to accept cuz like in latin cultures and african cultures features are similar to european features yeah i just think it's interesting and it makes me so uncomfortable to think about someone asking you your <laughs> ethnic background and you answer and then they say no it doesn't doesn't yeah. look right the thing with the filipino culture is that we had been integrated with a lot of different dominant cultures because we were still a developing country when the portuguese discovered us and then the spaniards came in and then after the spaniards the american and then the japanese and then back to american so we never really developed a uh, a very distinctive culture ourselves unless you go back to the head hunting days wow and i've read historical fiction books mm-hmm. that a lot of filipinos are back in the days are imported into china japan as musicians servants and laborers enslaved like were people trafficked or were or, people immigrating for a job I think a little bit of both. It's a population that our major export is either I think labor cuz right now Filipinos are either laborers in, uh, in construction um food service and you're talking about in the Philippines. In the Philippines. In the Philippines laborers, food service, maids and nannies. we have um like some of the call centers of major companies are directed into the philippines mm-hmm. so gosh it's like i want you to give a world history lesson <laughs> <laughs> well that's one of my passion is world history cuz i always wanted to know about the past cuz from the past you can learn about the future and you be able to live the present Mhm. And that whole adage about keeping history from repeating itself. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz knowledge is power. Mhm. How do you define success, Francis? Success for me is more when I was younger, it was material things. The designer labels, the fancy car, the big house. Now it's more of a spiritual growth. How I could be a stronger self than I was before 
how I can manage my demons that yeah. I inherited as a kid. Well, are you going to tell us about your demons today? Yes. Okay. Well, then I'll yeah. I'll save that for a second. Okay. I'll put it. We'll put a pin in yes. it if you're going to tell us about demons. Now the definition of success instead of material things for you really is more about your spiritual evolution and your relationship with yourself. As a growing up, I always was isolated. I always was by myself because I was a latchkey kid. My mom was a single mother because my parents divorced. And then we migrated to the U.S. And um, my brother was a year older, so he was off running with his friends. My sister is the baby of the family, so she is fussed over. Yeah, doted on maybe differently. And a girl. Yeah. That might have had a... Yeah, and she was about two years younger than me. So she had her own world. So I pretty much learned to entertain myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a lot of misinformation from watching TV. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, because that's the, my only form of information. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know who to talk to. So I thought... Americans were like the Brady Bunch, uh-huh. where they're like this, everything is solved in 30 minutes, <laughs> and, mm. uh, you're, and very hallmarky kind of lifestyle and this and that. Yeah, kind of just like charmed and perfect. Yeah. 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 In high school, I wanted to be like that. I would dye my hair to get that blonde color, I would stay away from the sun so my skin would be lighter. Um, I dreamed about having colored contact lenses so I could have blue eyes. Really? Yeah. Hmm. But at then, the colored contact lenses was like the newest thing. I remember yeah. when they were hot on the scene. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Now you can buy it from the website for Yeah, less nothing. expensively. Yeah. It's disposable. You can just keep changing. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. With my eyesight, I can't afford the novelty of why put colored contact lenses when I'm going to cover it up with glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you probably don't want blue eyes the same way that you did when you were a teenager. No. It probably no. matters much less now. Yeah. Now I want to have eyes like the anime characters where it's gray or it's like shaped like a lizard. Yeah. Something entertaining. Mm-hmm. Making a fashion statement yes. with your eyes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so aside from the hallmarky everything is solved in 30 minutes, is there another example of something you might have learned from television that you felt like was something that was not helpful to you? Yes. What I wished back then was that could have seen more true diversity in the media, mm-hmm. in pop culture mm-hmm. at that time. 
because kind of made me feel that I was less than. So I was very angry at my culture, at my parents, at myself for being who I am. And for being Filipino? Yes. Filipino. At that time, I was also discovering that I'm also gay. There's not a lot of resource during the 80s and the 90s about how to be gay. In the Philippine culture, they're seen as homewreckers, troublemakers, and prostitutes. People who are gay are seen as homewreckers? Yeah, because... And prostitutes? Well, because that's the misconception in that culture. That's the only lifestyle you can have if you're gay. How are you going to be able to be a proper Catholic if you're gay? Mm -hmm. You can't produce children. How are you going to have relationships other than seducing married men? So it's not something you can be open about. No. No, and that's very troubling because then that's another issue that I had to deal with personally because then I thought, okay, if I find myself being attracted to men, then I'm considered bad. If I'm going to be bad, might as well live up to their expectation. Mm -hmm. So I hung around people of questionable background. In the Philippines or in the U.S. or both? In the U.S. Okay. In the U.S. In the Philippines, I was too young to do anything about what I was feeling. And I knew that my situation has to change because I knew when I was a kid in the Philippines that I was different because I had these feelings. And If I stayed in the Philippines, my future wasn't good. Uh, And it was causing me to be a difficult child. I was repeating school grades. I didn't have a sense of self. Is this a connection to the demons? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because after high school, as a young adult, when I moved to Denver, I thought that the only lifestyle I could have is doing drugs, drinking, going to the clubs every other day, and having multiple sexual interludes. And it got to the point where when I met my present partner, Two years into our relationship, I had to decide what I wanted. Do I want to continue the path of going partying, doing recreation drugs, or do I want a relationship? And I decided I want a relationship. I want to be steady. I want to have a direction, a focus. Mm -hmm. So I decided that that Part of my life, I am done. Was I, over. It was over. I'm getting older. I have this opportunity to make something of myself. 
to go move forward and share my life with someone. And I rather wake up in the morning knowing who's beside me than just okay, you out. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. So that brings us to the question about um three events, experiences or themes that you feel have most shaped who you are and then we'll choose one to take a deeper dive. Okay. The first major event would be coming to the US. And you were I just turned 9 years old. A young boy. Yeah. Major transition from my life in the Philippines to the start of my life here in the US. And then high school is the second one. Because that's where I discovered fashion, mm-hmm. sewing, and where I worked my first job. So the idea that I can earn money mm-hmm. was good. That gave me focus. And then third is coming to Denver. Okay. Because then I am. I came out here on false pretenses. And I have no other recourse but to make it on my own. Okay, whoa, Francis. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. What false pretenses? I came out here because who I thought was my best friend, we met in Reno where I grew up. He moved to Denver. He told me that I should come out there to Denver, and he would have a job for me. He can work at the company that he works for. He has a place we can be roommates, Mm -hmm. and that everything would be amazing. So he left Reno. How old were you when he came to Denver? Uh, I was 22, but mentally 19. Okay. Emotionally or mentally a little bit behind 22. Yes. What do you attribute that to? I don't really can pinpoint an exact moment, but I always felt that I was not mature enough, that I wasn't really prepared to do what I did. I was a little gullible, naive about the world out there because growing up in Reno, Nevada, the only other place we would go is to visit relatives in San Francisco, Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. So you had had this friend for years, I assume? About a year. About a year. Yeah. Okay, so it's your best friend. You're about 22 years old. He leaves Reno to come to Denver. Yeah. How long was he out here? Before he's like, Francis, come. I think six months. Because while in Reno, I moved out of my my mom's house to live with him and his roommate. Because then they had a three-bedroom house. They needed a third roommate. So I became the third roommate. And then he moves out. 
to move to Denver, and then I moved out because for two people to have a three-bedroom house, it was not possible. So I put my stuff in storage, moved back into my mom, and then he says, oh, come out in, in Denver. Everything is great here in Denver. You'll find a job, da-da-da, blah-blah-blah. And these are the false pretenses. Yes. Because when I came to Denver, he tells me, it turns out that he was working at a fast food restaurant, at a food court, at the mall, and he they're already fully staffed. So I'd have to find my own, get my own job, mm-hmm. which was okay. Then the second one was that he was living with an aunt and that he was expecting me to bring money to help get an apartment. For the two of you? Yes. Or for the, all three? For the two of us. So I left out that I had an uncle was living here. So I was able to get room and board from them. Then he found an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment that then we shared. And he said, oh, this is just temporary, just until we find something better. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. That's when I discovered that he was an alcoholic and a master manipulator and liar. Because I watched how he behaved around other people lies just rolled off his tongue like butter on a hot skillet. And I had to play along until I could find a way out. All right, so let me see if I've got this. You and the best friend and a third guy had a place together in Reno. Yes. And the liar best friend (laughs) came to Denver. Yeah. And you two guys were still in Reno, yes. but decided, obviously, the two of you can't keep up a three-bedroom yeah. place. So you leave that, and you go to stay with your mom for yeah. a while. And while you're with your mom, the liar best friend calls and says, Francis, come to Denver. This is the promised land. Yeah. Job, place to live. We're going to yeah. have so much fun. Let's yeah. do it. Live the gay life. And so you were like, I, here I'm coming. I'm coming yeah. to Denver. So you get to Denver, and it turns out, He told you he had a roommate, but the roommate was actually his aunt. Well, he gave me the impression that he is living on his own and he is in need of a roommate. Oh, but he's not on his own. No. He's with his aunt. Yes. And he wants you to come to Denver, basically, because he wants you to have an income, too, so that the two of you can go get your own place away from the aunt. Yes. Okay. And... You eventually you do get a place. Yeah. But it's a one bedroom. Yes. And it's like, hold on, Francis, no big deal because we're not going to live here for very long. Yes. We're yes. going to get something better. Yes. And since he got the, found the place, he gets the bedroom, I sleep on the couch. Oh, lovely. Yes. I'm like, okay. <sighs> and then we had to end up moving out because the landlord turned out to be a little cray-cray. Because <laughs> <laughs> then the landlords had their own scam going on. Oh, boy. They would move people in and then harass them until they move out, breaking the lease. 
Oh, wow. And then they get to keep the deposit. Right. Okay, so you guys are in this one-bedroom place, and while you're living there is when you discover he's got a problem with alcohol. Yes. Now, where are you? You mentioned earlier about, like, struggling with recreational drugs and drinking and partying. Where does all of that fit for you in relationship with this roommate? Were you partying at that time, or did your partying come after you? I think my partying came... It was before that, because when I was living in Reno, I did a lot of coke, because it was the 80s. <laughs> so, but when I moved to Denver, cocaine was a little hard to find, so I had to find the alternative, which was speed. So, I became a 90s speed baby. So, I was... Doing that on and off while well, this thing with my was roommate all was, yes, because then we move out of that place because he got the scammer place. Yes, got a three uh, found a third roommate, and we got a three bedroom apartment and lived there for uh, I'd say at least six months, and during that six months. I discovered that he had been going through my closet, using my things, lending out my clothes to our other friends. Well, it'll just help himself, I guess. Yeah. At the same time, his bedroom door has to be locked. locked. You just don't feel safe. How can you no, feel? Yeah. But then I, I was like, I drank, I did drugs. So I'm numb inside. So I'm like, hmm. Then the third roommate bailed out. It was his turn to turn in the rent money. Uh-huh. So that's so, conveniently he needs to go. Yeah. So he says, well, here's your checks back. I can't come up with my own money of my share of the So he moves out. The day that rent was due I come home from work and my alcoholic liar liar best friend have moved out and left you there at the place yes <gasps> so what gave me the clue that he moved out was that his bedroom door was open and he wasn't home so when I went in there all the things that he took from me, he left. But he took all of his stuff. All of his stuff. <sighs> okay. So our big three things, I'm going to work backwards in, okay? in chronology now. Our big three things are coming to Denver under false pretenses yes. with the liar, best friend, alcoholic. Yeah. And that kind of exploding on you yeah. in various Forms yes. after you came to Denver yes. and figuring out how to deal with that and make a life, keep it rolling, dealing yeah. with it. So that's one category. The other working in reverse again was high school, yeah. learning t that you liked to sew, discovering yeah. fashion. Yeah. And this is the same um, time period where you're dyeing your hair and you want blue contacts. 
Yeah. And you carry a thesaurus around because you're falling in love with words. Yes. And then going back to the first one is immigration to the United States. Yeah. And transitioning from that life in the Philippines to life in Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Which one do you want to talk about more? (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you select. Well, they kind of all fit together in a way. Yeah. But let's go back in time to the Philippines, and let's just dabble our way through time a little bit to see if we can flesh some of this out some more. Okay. Okay, so you immigrated when you were nine, and did you come to the U.S. with both of your parents? No. My parents divorced. It was the 70s, so my mom was a liberated young woman. So she divorced my dad because she didn't like the idea that my dad was seeing other women mm-hmm. and didn't want to continue with the facade of a marriage when it wasn't exactly a He wasn't marriage. faithful. Yeah. 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 So, so she decided to leave yes. him. Yes. Then she came to America to get a U.S. divorce. Why a U.S. divorce? Can you not get divorced in the Philippines? I believe you have to go through the church in the Philippines. Because it's a very evangelistical Roman Catholic kind of society. So divorce was not... Yeah, highly frowned upon. Yes. So, my grandmother on my father's side is the matriarch of the family, and she didn't see it as a proper thing to divorce. Even in spite of how her son was behaving? Yes, because at that time, men are men. It is the woman's job to be virtuous and la-di-da. Mm-hmm. So my mom said no. Not doing it. No. So she came to the U.S. and divorced my dad. Was that her reason for coming to the United States? I don't know. Okay. That is the information that she has given us. And then she, at that time, it was, I guess, customary to... She married an American as a full marriage for the green card Mm -hmm. and then she did her five years and then she came back was able to take my brother and I to the US and then a year later my grandmother then brought my sister over to the US. So your parents split up when you were about four or five somewhere in there? I, I believe so. And when you were four or five is when your mom left for the United States to get this divorce. Yes. And you stayed in the Philippines with your siblings. Yes. And your father. Yes. And the matriarch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And after she got the divorce from your father, she married an American. Yeah. After she had married him and had been gone for about five years. I believe so. Is when she came back to the Philippines to get you and your brother. Yes. And a year later, so you were 10 or 11 then, when your paternal grandmother and your sister followed. Yes. Okay. And then um, when my mom came back, I think she already divorced the American. Mm. 
because when she came back, she was with an Englishman. Somebody from the UK? Yes. And they were in a relationship, and he turned out to be a drunk. He started off as a functioning alcoholic. And it got worse. It got worse because my mom wanted to leave him and pursue another relationship with another man. My mother tried to break things off with him, but when he found out, he became a little, I wouldn't say a little, he became violent. He would drink and then get mad. He would stew in his anger and then waited and waited until my mom came home from work and then they would argue, he would get physical with her. Mm. And he got physical with me and my brother. And God, Francis, you guys have been through so much. And it seems... I almost feel like I had to go through that process. Because I don't see any other way about it. A lot of what-ifs could play. If my mother was strong enough to break the relationship with the alcoholic, then would our life be better with a new guy? You don't know, because it's in the past. It reminds me of those preteen books where you, uh, you, that was popular for a year, where you chose the character's path. Oh, like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Yes. Yes. And then you'd, like, skip pages, you... What, um, Depending what you one choose. or path two? Path one, you go to this page. Yes. Path two, you continue reading. Yes. So it was like that. But you, ne- you never really knew what the other option was. Or how it would play out. Yeah. So how old were you when she was in this relationship with this violent man? I was probably 13, 14. And then it it seems like my mom has settled on being the alcoholic, being around. Because then he was always there. So she never got away from him? No. And we don't know why she had opportunities to leave him. I mean, when we were getting older, she, I think her insecurities is that she didn't want to be alone. So she just kept him around as someone that she could always fall back on. And the men that she would date after that were men that could financially improve her lifestyle. They weren't exactly in it for love. So when a younger version comes by, my mom gets booted to the curb. She goes back to the alcoholic guy. Is he in her life now? Uh, Yes. Of sorts. How should I say this? He marries my mother's sister. Wait. 
he loved he loved your mother but had a violent relationship with her and they had this like on and off thing because she would have these other boyfriends and then when they would break up she'd come back to him but he is actually married to your aunt now yes this is crazy francis it is you would have to write it down to be able to keep track of it because it's like all the chess pieces is just swirling around yeah. but then the alcoholic boyfriend who was divorced from another woman they both had a child a daughter and that daughter pretty much grew up with us and it was great because we actually then had a close person that we interacted with that we bounced our frustrations and anger we would exchange stuff like that so your relationship with her with the daughter was okay it was okay because mm-hmm. she knew that her dad was an alcoholic bastard and so she knows what we were going through mm-hmm. my aunt started came to the US divorced her husband who is Filipino yes so he stayed in the Philippines because he knew that if he came to the U.S., my aunt would nail him for child support, mm. which is the same reason my dad stayed in the Philippines. So he didn't have to pay child support either? Yes. What was your contact like with him during this time? Because your paternal grandmother is here, right? Her home base is in the Philippines. She would travel to, to visit... visit relatives in the east coast in the west coast and she would come by and spend three to six months with us which was um good because she was the glue that kept everybody connected she so would, when she was around you probably had some contact with your dad yeah, she he would bring she would bring letters from him and um bring our letters to him and that was pretty much the contact pretty much i mean back then we didn't have that i guess you can't just skype him when you're 10 yes so it was pretty much like holiday cards letters of endearment and things like that what did you think about the fact that he didn't want to pay child support well at that time i didn't know So you learned that as an adult? Yes. I mean, that was his choice. It was a decision. And now I know that my parents weren't as informed as I was as a kid. They were going with what... They knew. They knew. And that's not very much. So, because at that time access to that kind of information is more limited and you go with hearsay what other people experience what your friends and relatives are telling you and you go with that and I mean I thought coming to the US lifestyle that I had in the Philippines would somewhat continue on Everything would be nice, running water, everything is clean, everything is hunky-dory. And was it? 
not the same way. If you wanted here in the U.S., if you wanted your uh, clean, you have to do it yourself. Yeah, you want to have a snack, you have to make it yourself. Because in the Philippines, we had a good lifestyle. My grandparents were upper middle class, so they can afford servants to take care of us. And you didn't have servants in the U.S.? Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you had to do your own laundry. You had to do your own cooking. When my grandmother would come and visit, she would cook for at least a month's worth of food. You had Tupperware leftovers, like, stacked in the refrigerator. So at least you have a somewhat home-cooked meal Yeah, when she's not around. I enjoyed having my grandmother there. At that time, she was my companion. I hung out with her because I didn't really have friends. Well, I imagine coming to the United States as a child would be really hard because culturally things are different, the language is different, School is where a lot of kids pick up their friends, but school was probably a lot more work for you, at least initially, than it was for American students. So you had to just be exhausted by the change. Yeah. In middle school, I had friends. I would hang out during school recess, things like that. But when I'm at home, it was really... It was a suburban kind of setting. Everybody stayed in their house. Well, and it sounds like maybe home was lonelier than school. Yeah. Unless when your grandma was around. Yes. Because then I had someone interacting with me. My brother usually stayed with his friends. My sister would have sleepovers with her friends. And I'll just hang out at home. This kind of drifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that during that time, my the anger in me kind of was building up. Because my mom was always at work. And when she's at home, she's too tired to care. And she would have these kind of bipolar moments where she would just, have this moment of wanting to care about, oh, do you have friends? Are you doing okay? Is everything la-di-da? How's school going? And there'll be moments where she would just turn around and F you. Yeah, so that must have been really hard because you didn't know which version of her you were going to get. Yeah. And it got to the point where I prefer not to really interact with her. Because mm-hmm. it seems like when people are around, she would be Miss Hostess. Put on the show. Yes. And then when we're just by ourselves, it's <laughs> So I'm like, you know... Make all the promises you want, I know it ain't going to happen. 
So the the demons that you talked about at the beginning kind of come from a lot of the things you're talking about now. Oh, yeah. Her lack of availability, her lack of emotional investment, feeling lonely, except for when your grandma was there, maybe missing your dad, too. Yeah, because I know my mom asked me if I was mad at my father, which confused me because I was like, why would I be mad at my dad? I don't remember a lot about my childhood in the Philippines. He was just vaguely there. Mm -hmm. The demons that I deal with is like my self-hate, my anger, my ability to transfer my mother onto other people. When I would get triggers, certain situations, I would react like I'm reacting towards my mom, which I'm trying to teach myself that my mom is in Reno. That's hard there. work, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, all humans wrestle stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. That transference that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. And it's getting better because the transference, when a trigger happens, I get paranoid and be doubting myself, be like cussing at myself like a sailor and you're this, you're that, blah, 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 next. And I was like, no, that has to stop. Yeah, this is not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. This is not good for my relationship with yeah. myself. Yeah. I've been listening to um, self-help podcasts, things like that. And that's where I learned about the triggers. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to teach myself to react differently. Mm -hmm. I know there are times where people would bait me emotionally. Bait you? To get a reaction. Mm -hmm. Just I just wanted to make sure I heard you yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I've come across people that would try to press my buttons because either they're bored, they're insecure, or... They like to instigate. And I'm learning not to take the bait. Because I, I might find myself down a violent path. You and don't trust yourself with that? No, I don't. I'm still trying to regulate that anger inside of me. I am in the process of trying to identify where that comes from. I know it comes from a lot of my demons came from when I was a kid. In the U.S., in the Philippines, or both? Both. And I know that I have moments where I feel betrayed, abandoned, and neglected mm -hmm. and I know I've gotten myself into situations where out of self-destruction I have placed myself in dangerous situations and I've hurt people in the past as people have hurt me and I have to learn to forgive myself and 
at the same time, I have the power to forgive other people. And there's probably uh, mm, about three people that I could see in, in my past that I have no desire to forgive. And I'm okay with that. I have accepted it. And I know that I can't, can never fully let go of my demons because they're part of me. But I don't have to let them rule me. They don't have to consume me into drinking, doing drugs, nor do I need to let people control me, telling me that I need to look this way, I need to dress this way, I need to act this way. At this point in my life, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I am. I love how frankly you said that, Francis. I love how frankly you said that. I will conduct myself professionally at work, but outside of that, no. Yeah. Don't care. I try to, I mean, I would be like, Francis, that's not a nice thing to say. You shouldn't be saying that ain't nice. I was like, I don't give a shit. I don't care no more. You don't like how I dress? Don't look. You don't like how what I sew? Don't buy it. You don't like my art? Da-dee-da. Well, and it sounds like, from everything you're describing, I've been listening to you talk, and I'm thinking, wow, Francis is in such a successful place right now. Yeah. Especially because your definition of success has to do with that spiritual evolution. Yes. And it sounds like you have just been growing by leaps and bounds in that way for several years at least. Yeah, because I don't want to be, I don't like how I was. Which is? To me, it's dependent on other people's approval. Mm Mm-hmm. And so much wasted time trying to fit into what my friends' lifestyles are, into what people at work think my lifestyle should be, how I should be, how my religion dictates my lifestyle should be. And the weird thing is that I had to hang out with the Mormons to learn that just because I'm gay doesn't mean I have to turn my back on my religion. I should not care what the church says about my lifestyle for them to say that you cannot worship God just because you're gay. I pray on a daily basis and my lifestyle is my lifestyle and the only person I'm going to be answering to is the one above on Judgment Day because 
all those people at the church, they'll be right beside me on Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. So You won't be answering to them. No. This is um, going backwards a minute, Francis, but yeah. I, I want to ask because I feel like probably it's something listeners are curious about, too. I don't think it's just me. But when you were talking at the very beginning about starting to figure out that you were gay and that you were attracted to men, and we were talking about how that would not be accepted in the Philippines and that that would have led to a rather difficult life if you had stayed there. Yeah. Was your family accepting? They're accepting right now. It's it's a topic that we don't talk about. They know that I'm in a relationship with a man. My grandmother knew before she passed away that I was in a relationship with a man and that this is how it's going to be. She prayed and hoped that it would change, but it's not going to change. And that it's not discussed. I don't go to them and say, Oh, we did da 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 and they don't want to hear it. It's like you have to keep those two parts of your life very separate. Yes. So your partner doesn't visit your family with you. If you visit with them, you visit alone? Yes. They got to meet them, but it was mainly my sister and my mother and my grandmother. But he wasn't as open to his mother as I was to my family. Mm-hmm. During holidays, I would go visit my family. He goes visit his family in Florida. So, in rare occasions, we have an opportunity where we would go in one location at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with your family... They might be gentler with you than Filipino culture would have been. Yes. But it's not open. It's not relaxed. Yeah, it's not part of the norm. It's hard for them to conceptualize that gays can have a normal life. They can be in a healthy relationship that doesn't involve recreation, drugs, or multiple partners and that's the thing that I wanted to know as a kid growing up can I have a normal life as a gay I mean in all of media gays are the flamboyant sidekicks or they're extravagant and drama 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 I'm like no, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I left my party life. Because I don't want to be going here and there and every waking hours trying to plan which bar to go to to find so-and-so and this and that, Mr. Right at that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's an extraordinary <laughs> life, Francis. There's no question about that. 
I don't even know how to bring this conversation to a close because I feel like we could just keep going and going. <laughs> I'm so curious about so many things. But if you were going to look at the things that you've learned and the things that you've talked about with us today and try to boil it down and say, from what I have been through, all I know about life is. What I've learned from my my life is it's okay to not have drama. It's okay to um, that you're different and it's okay that your life is not a TV novella and you can be strong and you can find the resources yourself to make yourself better. If you can't find the people to help you, be strong enough to help yourself and know that you, are, you can access any information you need to make better yourself. Gosh, information is so much more readily available oh, yeah. now. Can, I mean, you can go, well, the Internet, you have to be careful. It's 50-50 whether it's true or false. But you have the willpower to make the decision. And you have libraries you can use as references educational channels you can find anything to spur your in imagination so knowledge is power mm, that's the second time you've said that yeah because always as a kid to know what is out there is such a helpful tool mm -hmm. to know what's available yes. to you yeah, yeah. Just because you live in a little town where half of the population, they're like spent all their lives there, that doesn't mean your knowledge and creativity stays within the boundaries of that town. You can learn about everything that there is a world outside that town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I hear you talking about living bigger than where you are and being aware that there is more to life than what you see and then sometimes even what's offered to you. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, Francis, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. For doing this. Oh, anytime. Are you willing to do, there's a questionnaire that I use at the end of every interview. What is your favorite word? Whatever. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> What's your least favorite word? The word fuck. Mm. On the sense that if I hear it from a coworker, that means they made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be bad news. Yes. In the shop, that would be bad yeah. news. Yeah. So I'm like, ugh. Uh-oh. Yeah. We have something yeah. to fix. Yeah. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, emotionally? Being in a fabric store, seeing rows and rows of bolts upon bolts of possibilities just waiting to be created. What turns you off? A person who doesn't take care of themselves. It's like 
what got you to that point where you do not care about your parents, your health, your mental being? What happened that got you to that point where you just... Let go? Yeah. What's your favorite curse word? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe it might be just based on earlier. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Pop music. What sound or noise do you hate? A crying child or a white, um, a crying dog. Mm. I would hear it in the distance. I would be like, what's going on? What happened? What? Why is that noise happening? It brings worry. Yes. What profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? A traditional artist. What does that mean to you? To me, it's like working with oil, like canvas, acrylic paints, oil paints, like Van Gogh. And you're just creating what you see in front of you onto canvas. Mm -hmm. What profession would you definitely not like to do? The military. I don't think I could be able to bring myself where I have to take a life, even though my life is in danger. I've never been in that kind of situation, so it's one situation I do not want to experience because mm -hmm. I'm afraid I might like it. Due to the anger and demons inside of me, I don't want to find out. Mm -hmm. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say as you pass through the pearly gates? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Francis? What's going on? Shit. <laughs> Forever. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate you sitting down with me today. Well, thank you for having me here. You're most welcome. It's my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you're thinking anything like me after this conversation with Francis, you're thinking about the places where you can expand your life. How can you live bigger? How can you reach outside whatever box you've been placed in so that you're not living in the confines of what has been dictated to you by some outside entity? But... What can you reach for that is true to your own soul and true to your own spirit? I think that's one of the biggest things I'm taking away from our time today, Francis. So thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening in today. When our guests agree to be vulnerable with us and to share from the well of their life experience, one of the best ways that we can acknowledge that kind of courage is to communicate that what has been shared has fallen on ready ears and a heart that is open. So if there was something that struck a chord today, Please interact with the posts on social media that are related to this episode so that you can let that storyteller know about the impact that he or she had on you. If you haven't connected with us already on one of these platforms, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram under the handle All I Know Podcast. 
please remember that the ideas, opinions, and views shared today belong solely to each speaker. And while we hope our listeners find fuel for working with in their own lives from every episode, it should be noted that this podcast is not a therapeutic intervention and it's not a substitute for advice or counsel from a mental health professional. All I Know is a production of Inward Bound, which is a private psychotherapy practice based in Denver, Colorado, and our team works primarily with children and their families that have been impacted by developmental or early childhood trauma, and we specialize in adoption and foster care issues. This podcast is produced by Jessica Barry Edelstein and me with audio engineering by Craig Knapp. If you're interested in developing a relationship as a sponsor for this project, or if you're interested in being a guest and one of our storytellers on All I Know, you can reach us at know at inwardboundco.com. And I give that to you one more time. All I know at inwardboundco.com. And you'll never miss an episode if you visit the website so that you can subscribe or follow the show through your preferred streaming platform. And the way to find us on the web is to go to allIKnow.podient.co. We hope you'll join us for the next installment of All I Know. And in the meantime, this is Jen for all of us at the show reminding you, catch all the light you can. <laughs>